So if you remember, first things first was that Abraham was called by God. God chose Abraham. He asked him to move, to, to do something different, right? He chose Abraham. And then, <clears throat> excuse me, after he called Abraham, he called him for a reason, right? He called him so that, so that God could make a great nation out of Abraham, out of his descendants, and that nation was eventually to be Israel. This nation would bless the whole world and then allow the world to connect with God again, right? This is the promise God made. And we talked about how that promise, that partnership, is called a covenant, right? This covenant that God made with Abraham is that he would have descendants as many as the grain of sands, as the stars, and that would be the nation that God promised, right? But then, if you remember, Abraham messed up. He made a mistake. He made a couple mistakes. But one in particular that we talked about is that, remember, Sarah suggested this, this thing has taken a while. We've been waiting a long time, Abraham. Why don't you have a child with my servant, and then we can fulfill God's plan that way. Let's, let's do this ourselves. I have an idea. Let's try it our own way. And they messed up, right? Abraham messed up there, and they made a mistake. And But then, so eventually, you know, and so then Hagar was mistreated, and, and it was not great. But so God confronted the problem. He resolved the issue. He saw Hagar. And then... Abraham, so they, they get it worked out, and so God decides, okay, I'm going to give you a sign. I'm going to give you a sign for your covenant, for this agreement that we've made, and uh, you so enjoyed Johnny's talk about how that sign was circumcision, and that was a guarantee of the covenant. And finally, Abraham starts to get it, right? He starts to learn. He understands. He's like, okay, I finally get who this God is. I, I, I understand that he's looking out for me. He's made a promise for me. I think I can trust him. And so then the big test rolls around, right? Last week, Sean talked to us about how Abraham was asked to sacrifice Isaac. And so Abraham trusted God and followed through. Abraham trusted God and followed through. So Abraham, we've, we've reached a point where he's finally getting it, right? He's, he's been tested big, and he finally has done the right thing, fully put his faith in God, and he's followed through. And so, and so here we are now, and, and the question is, what happens next? And the answer is, not a whole lot, really, because in the next chapter, Genesis 23, Sarah, Abraham's wife, dies, and Abraham negotiates a burial place for her. And then two chapters later, in Genesis 25, Abraham dies. And there, there we go, and that's it. We've reached the end of the story. We've reached the end of Abraham's journey. And so, what I want to do tonight is tell you that a lot of times I think we can read this story... And to us, it just sounds like some old story, some history lesson. You know, you feel like you're just in history class again, and I'm just telling you what happened, and so what? What does it matter? But it's more than that. And I want you to understand it's not just some old story, and there's two really important things that I want us to understand from Abraham's story as a whole, as a big picture. And the first thing is that our journey is just like Abraham. Our journey is just like Abraham's. 
It's, it's relatable. There's a lot of points in the story that probably, you know, if you think about it, you are, are in a similar situation or, or maybe your life can look that way at times. Uh, let me give you an example because my story definitely looks like Abraham's, especially when I'm talking about ministry. So uh, let me tell you a little bit about how I got here in front of you right now. So when I was in college, I went to Kent State. I felt like, I remember, I remember it very vividly. I was in my car and I was driving and I was praying. I pray a lot when I'm driving in my car. It's just kind of like an easy spot. It's an easy way to listen to worship music. And so I do it frequently. And so I'm driving and I'm praying. And I remember very clearly uh, I had been doing a lot of like reading and podcast listening about like God's will and his plan and what was I supposed to do with my life. And I remember praying about it. And I remember feeling very strongly that God was telling me that he wanted me to teach, to, to spread the gospel, to stand firmly on his word and tell other people about it and, and, and just be bold about what the Bible says and, and all that good stuff. And I was like, okay, you know what, God? Yeah, I'm, I'm all in for that. I totally, that's what, I want to do it. And so just like Abraham, I didn't really know what that meant. I didn't know if that meant a particular kind of job or uh, changing my degree or what that meant for my future. I didn't know. But I wanted to do what God was asking me to do, even though I wasn't exactly sure what that might look like. See, but then, just like Abraham, I messed up. God called me to, to teach, to, to share his word, to stand on the truth of the Bible, but I kind of took it my own way. I saw that and I was like, yeah, God, you want me to talk. But so then what I started doing was talking for myself and kind of sprinkling a little Jesus on top. I started doing this like motivational speaking where I would go to like local youth clubs or like youth programs and I would sometimes talk about Jesus but a lot of times talk about things like leadership and, um, and just how to uh, do things better, which isn't bad. But what I didn't know is that's not what God was talking about. That's not what he asked me to do. And so I realized at some point that I was doing it for me and not for God. And I was just kind of sprinkling God on top as if to be kind of just like the bow, right? And so then eventually I came here and I started attending redemption. And that's when I realized maybe I was doing something wrong. Maybe I was speaking for myself. Maybe I didn't know the Bible as well as I thought I did. Maybe I was doing something wrong. Maybe I didn't have it all figured out. And I realized and prayed more and came to the conclusion to understand that God was calling me to do ministry, which is what I do now. And so here I am, right? I, I said, okay, God, I think I might be wrong. I think maybe I'm not getting this right. I want to listen. I want to do whatever it is that you want me to do. And here I am. Here I am. Help, help me. Let me teach. Let it not be about me, but let it be about God. Right? And so just like Abraham's journey, I, I, I said yes to what God asked me to do. But then I, I made some mistakes. I messed up. Uh, but now I'm saying, okay, I, I'm, I understand more. I'm learning more about God. I see that he asked me to do something different. But what hasn't happened in my story is, unlike Abraham, I haven't seen this big test that he experienced, right? Abraham, uh, Abraham was asked to sacrifice his son, 
Where's the big test in my story? Well, it hasn't quite happened yet. Right? God asked Abraham to do something a little harder at the end. And I'm going to tell you what that harder thing is for me, because I know what it is, but like I said, it just hasn't happened yet in my ministry walk. The harder thing that has, I have yet to experience, but I will experience, is something that many of you guys actually probably don't really know about. So if you didn't know this, my job here is not permanent. Come the end of summer, I won't be here anymore. And that's, hey, <laughs> well, thanks. I appreciate that. But <laughs> thanks, Austin. But listen, that's how it's been since the day I started working here. When I joined the team at Redemption Chapel, I signed on as a resident. And what that means is that my job is temporary, and the goal of my work here is to equip me to be a youth pastor when I'm done working here, right? And so that that means when my time here, when my job period is up with redemption, I will be starting somewhere else, where yet, I don't know, as their youth director, their youth pastor, right? Johnny has been training me to do what he does. And so that is kind of the next hard part, right? I don't want to leave redemption. I love it here. I love you guys. I love teaching here. I love everything about the church, right? But that's the hard step next, right? That's the next hard thing, and that's my test coming up. So like Abraham, I'm experiencing a similar journey. And so maybe you're experiencing this journey as well. And so what I think is that let's, let's, let's ask the question, where are you at in this journey? Where are you at in this journey? Now, I'm going to give you four places that you could be at in this journey, but on your sheet, there's a blank. And I want you, as you see these four places where you might be at in this journey, I want you to write down which one of the four that you're at. So here's the first one. Where are you at in this journey? Maybe you don't know God. Maybe you don't know who God is at all. Maybe this is like your first time at midweek or even at church at all. You're not familiar with who God is. It's really new to you or you've only heard about him maybe one other time. So maybe you don't know who he is at all. And that's how Abraham was at the very beginning of his journey. And what I want you to know is you don't have to be scared or afraid of of this whole God talk up here. Uh, It's all an opportunity. God wants to know you. And that's what Abraham discovered. The second place maybe that you are is that God has called you. You know who God is. You might have heard him call you, ask you to do something, but you haven't listened yet. Maybe he's asked you to share the gospel or the Bible with a friend, invite them to midweek, or or stand up to a bully who's bullying somebody that you know. There's a lot of possibilities. And maybe you just haven't done it yet. Maybe you know what it is that God wants you to do and you just haven't done it. If that's you, write that down. Or maybe, maybe you tried to do what God asked you to do. Maybe you're trying to listen, but you messed up. You made a mistake. You you had the opportunity, and you went up and you were like, uh, you ever read the Bible? And then you ran away, right? Or like you didn't know what to do, or you messed up your words, something. You made a mistake, right? Maybe you made a mistake. And what we can learn from Abraham's story is that's okay. We're all going to make mistakes, I just told you I made mistakes, and yet it's okay. Here we are. There's opportunity to restore that relationship with God. And then the last one is maybe you're doing what God's asked you to do. Maybe that's where you're at. Maybe you know what he's asked you, and you've done it. Maybe, maybe you have listened. Maybe you've followed through. And what I want to tell you is don't stop there because there's going to be more. There's going to be more. 
Because the thing about this journey is that this is not a start to finish. Once you get to the bottom of that, it's not the end, right? You, don't, you do one thing God asks you to do, and then it, it's done, right? Like, I haven't, I haven't reached the end of my journey just by having, like, one ministry job, right? It, it's always going. Sometimes you might end up back somewhere in the middle, and then you jump to the end, and it's a process, right? So whichever one of these you're at in your journey, write it down. And know that, that God sees you. We've learned so much about how he's helped Abraham through that journey. Now, of course we understand as we've been learning about Abraham going through these passages, of course, like, it's relatable. There are things we can learn from it and understand. But what else I want to tell you is that not only can this journey be looking like our lives or apply to our lives, but also that Abraham's story actually points to Jesus, right? Because the cool thing about the Bible is sometimes we read it as all these little separate books, but what we don't realize is the whole thing is a giant connected story and it all points to Jesus, right? The main character of the whole Bible is Jesus in the Old Testament, New Testament, the whole thing. And so Abraham's story points us to Jesus. So, so let me explain that a little bit. Let's zoom out and try to understand how Abraham connects us to Jesus. Now, one way I like to start thinking about this is there's a great way that the book of Matthew, the gospel of Matthew, it starts by giving a genealogy of Jesus, right? Like who his ancestors were. And it starts like this, which is a good, a good way to point it out. Read this with me, Matthew 1.1. It says, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Right, so the very first gospel that talks about who Jesus is opens by explaining that Jesus is connected to David and Abraham. And so what I want to show for you is how, how do we get there? How do these become connected? What's the process? And it's all through the covenants of the Bible. We've been talking about, and I explained what a covenant was. We've been talking about how the, the covenant of Abraham is such a big thing. So I want to show you how these covenants connect and get us to Jesus. So I have this chart for you. We can go ahead and put it on the screen. Now, this chart is complicated, all right? Quick pause. I understand that it's complicated. You do not need to understand all the information on this chart, and I will help you. Let's walk through it together, right? So we're talking about the whole Bible pointing and leading to Jesus. Yeah, you, that shocked face, this is like every textbook I read for school right now. So just let that sink in for you, all right? So listen, these are the covenants in the Bible, the partnerships that God has made. So think back through the Bible with me really quick. Think all the way back to the beginning of the Bible, right? God creates people, right? He makes Adam and Eve. And what do they do? They sin, right? They mess up, they do the wrong thing, and they don't listen to God. Okay, what does that do? That breaks the relationship between people and God, right? We no longer have this perfect, good, friendly fellowship that's easily accessible with God. Our relationship with him is broken because of sin, because of Adam and Eve. So then people start sinning left and right. They keep doing the wrong things. There's violence, there's evil all over the world. And so then we enter the picture of Noah. That's where we get into the Noahic covenant, right? So, so God says, I'm going to destroy, it's so bad, I'm going to destroy all the life on earth. But he finds Noah and says, okay, you know what? Noah and his family can live and I'll preserve some living things, but everything else I'm going to wipe out. 
And so then God makes a covenant and says to Noah, I will never do that again. I'll never wipe out everything on earth again. And what's cool about that is the sign for that is a rainbow. And so rainbows exist because God promised that he wouldn't destroy all life on earth again. And so every time you see a rainbow, that's where it comes from. I mean, biblically speaking. And so then, right, so that happens. Okay, he, he won't do that anymore. And so then we move to what we've been talking about, which is Abraham, the Abrahamic covenant, right? Humans, even though God has saved them, even though he won't destroy all life on earth, even though they have that covenant, humans still can't get it right. They can't, we can't keep our eyes on God. We, we keep making mistakes. And so God says, okay, Abraham, I'm going to take you and your family specifically, and I'm going to make a covenant with you, and you're going to father a nation, Israel, and through you guys, I can finally start working on restoring my relationship with people. We can finally kind of commune again. It's not perfect, but we're getting there, right? And it starts to roll the ball of the restoration process between God and us. So, you know, we talked about Abraham, we know what happens there. So after Abraham, the next covenant is Moses, the Mosaic covenant, which is also called the Old Covenant or the Old Testament. And so Moses has the Old Covenant. Now, the Old Covenant is temporary. And Moses comes along, and that's when we get the Ten Commandments. And so God makes this temporary covenant with Moses, and it's to point out how bad sin is. It's to point out how bad, how big of an issue sin is in the human race. So then, okay, Moses happens, and so then David comes along, and the covenant with David is that God says to David, I'm going to make a covenant with you that from your line, from your line of people, the ultimate savior of the world is going to be born. And so that leads us to the final, the ultimate, forever established new covenant, which is messianic or known as Jesus Christ. Right, finally, we get to the perfect, oh, sorry, that was too emphasized. We finally get to the perfect covenant, which is Jesus. We get to the perfect covenant, which is Jesus. Jesus, when he dies on the cross and he rises on the third day, death and sin are permanently and forever defeated. And finally, our relationship between creator and created is fully restored as best that it can be this side of heaven, perfectly fixed. And so that restoration started with Abraham. He was the foundation. You see what I did there? Yeah, see? He was the foundation of the restoration of our relationship to God. And I, I, I found this verse in Hebrews that I want us to look at together because this gives you an idea of the significance of the covenant of Jesus. This is what the verse reads. But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is as much more excellent than the old as the covenant he mediates is better, since it is enacted on better promises. For if the first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion to look for a second. So all these other covenants that we just talked about that God establishes in the Old Testament to try to start working on fixing the relationship between him and people, they don't measure up to the one that Jesus establishes. And Abraham leads up to that point. All these covenants get us to Jesus. And Jesus 
is the best covenant. That's why there's none after, and that's why it's the final one. So, we look at all this, and, and you just go, okay, Isaac, you just like talked about covenants for a while and how it all leads to Jesus, and that's great and all, but what does that mean for me? Like, okay, that's cool. The whole Bible points to Jesus. What do I do? What do I do with that? What do you want me to do? Well, tonight we're talking about future hope, right? Because like I just told you, the next two or three chapters in Genesis are about Abraham and Sarah dying. And, and, and God has made a covenant with him. And so the question is, what happens next? What happens now? And the answer is the rest of God's plan keeps going. The rest of God's plan keeps going. And that plan eventually gets to Jesus. And Jesus is our future hope. He's the future hope for every single person that's alive, been alive, or not alive yet. Jesus is it. That's the future hope that Abraham was going towards. It's a long way off for him. He didn't know it or see it, but that's what's going on, right? And so the future hope is Jesus. And so here's my question for you. What's your future hope? Because I say the future hope is Jesus. Sure, that's what I believe. But what about you? Is that what you believe? Do you know Jesus? Do you have that future hope? Some of you might, some of you might not. And you're probably in one of three places. Now, you'll notice on your card once again, this time I put all three of the potential places you could be with this idea of your future hope in Jesus. And what I want you to do, I'm going to list them really quick and, and talk through them so you get a better idea of them. But I want you to circle whichever one of those three future hopes, whichever one you think is you. Wherever you're at with that, I want you to circle it, all right? So, so the first one, what's your future hope? Maybe like we talked about in, in Abraham's story, maybe you've never heard of Jesus. You've never heard of God. This is your first time at midweek and, and you don't know any of this stuff I'm talking about. You're kind of like, what's the Bible? What's all this about? Here's what I'm going to tell you, all right? If you have no idea what any of this is about, if you don't know Jesus, if you don't know what I'm talking about, here's what I would encourage you. I, I pretty much just explained to you what the, the covenant is, what Jesus did. He died for our sins. But let me put it this way. It's the most fulfilling, significant, important relationship or decision you could ever make in your entire life, period. End of story. And that's the significance of it, right? And so if you don't know who Jesus is, I would encourage you to at least ask some questions. Who is that Jesus guy? What's the Bible all about? Why, like, why is this guy up here talking about it so much? He must like it, I guess. Ask any of our leaders about it. We'd be happy to talk to you about it if you're not familiar with it. But maybe, maybe you're in this second place. And if I'm honest, I'm sure that this second place is a large majority of you. Maybe you think you know Jesus. But maybe you don't know Jesus as well as you think you do. Maybe you go to midweek every Wednesday. Maybe you come to church on Sunday mornings and go to huddle. Maybe you go to a Christian school. Great, that doesn't make you a Christian. You can do every single one of those things all the time. Shoot, you can even pray in front of other people, like before you eat lunch. That still doesn't make you a Christian. What makes you a Christian is having a real relationship with Jesus actually spending time with him, communicating with him, praying in a personal manner, knowing him well, reading your Bible, living a Christian life. That's what it means to be a Christian. So maybe you say you're a Christian and you're pretending. Maybe you are like, oh yeah, I go to midweek, Jesus, me and him are cool, so I'm a Christian. 
but you're really not. You're really not. You're just sticking it on like a label. But the real truth is you don't know Jesus that well. And hey, here's the thing. That's okay. That's okay because Jesus wants to know you. He's not mad at you. He's not angry if you haven't checked up on him in a while. He just wants you to do it. So if that's you, if you're in that middle category, I would encourage you, hey, try. Even if it's like for five minutes a day, just try to get into the routine. Get into a routine of being with God, having a relationship with him, maybe reading your Bible, praying more often. But the last one is maybe you do know him. And, and maybe you do have a relationship with him. And so what I want you to do is think about reminding yourself of how he's changed your life. Because if you really do know him and if you really do have a good relationship with God, I want you to not forget how good that is. I want you to not forget the goodness that he's done in your life, who he is. Because it's easy to say like, oh yeah, I know God. I read my Bible today. But don't forget the significance of that relationship. And so now, here's my final question for you. This is the last question that we're going to ask you about the foundation series, but it's the most important question that I'm going to ask you. And that question is, what are you going to do now? What are you going to do now? Because listen, how many of you have been here for like every single foundations talk? Every single one. Raise your hand if you haven't missed one. Congratulations. That has no significance if you don't do anything. You can come here and listen to every single talk we ever give, but if you never do anything, you're wasting your time. If you never hear this stuff and never make any changes, never go, God, how could I be better? God, what am I doing wrong? God, how can I be more like you? Then why are you even, what's the point, right? Why listen? What are you going to do now? That's my challenge to you. That question's going to get asked again when you're in small group and there's a blank for you to write it down. My challenge to you is to not just hear us talk about the foundation series and, and go home and think like, okay, Abraham, sure, whatever. No, what are you going to do now? So in just a second, I'm going to pray. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm going to pray and then we're going to break up into some small groups. Now, make sure that when you break up into small groups, uh, you go with an adult leader and you want to keep the group small. And uh, the last couple weeks, we've been having to tell people where to go because uh, you all want to stay in really big groups. So try to be proactive. Find a leader. All right. So go ahead, bow your heads with me and I'll pray. And then we'll go into small groups. Nobody get up. Nobody move. Bow your heads. We're going to pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this evening. I thank you for you. I thank you for the covenants that you made throughout the Bible, the people you chose, and the things that you did to restore our relationship with you. It's crazy to be in a time where we can just pray to you, where we can, we can be with you, we can hang out with you, we can talk to you whenever we want with the God of the universe. And I'm thankful for that, God. It's incredible. So I pray that tonight we would hear the challenge of what, what now? We've, we've spent all this time learning about your servant Abraham. God, what do we do? What should we take from this? What do you want us to do? Change our hearts now, God, would you? Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.